Okay, we'll do it. Uh, do it now. Okay, we're going to take the offering now. <laughs> As we forgot. <laughs> so if the um, if the guys would like to come forward, and we can get on with that. Whilst we're getting on with that, I can just talk to you. Good morning. How are we? Good. Isn't it great that we have so many different nations in our church and different nationalities? I really, really love that. And my dear friends and brothers from Iran are here. And Omid is going to translate for them as I speak because they don't speak much English. And he said to me, he said, can you, can you speak slowly? Because that... <laughs> Because that funny little man last week, we couldn't understand him, meaning Matt Greenwood. He speaks too fast. So if I speak slowly today, it's so Omid can translate. So there might be some murmuring, and you might not be used to that, but I am. Because I've preached where English people have had to interpretate me for other English people. So I'm used to interpretation going on. I think we are nearly there. So I can tell you where we're going to go in our Bibles today. We're going to go to the letter of Ephesians, or letter to the Ephesians by Paul. And as Pastor Phil says, um, we're doing a, uh, a series on this letter, and this is the third preach in that series. And I'm going to read, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And I'm going to read from 1 to 14. Chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God, Father, and the Lord of Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. In Christ we also have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will. So that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. 
This is a pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. Heavenly Father, as we come this morning, we come needing your word, Lord, to penetrate our hearts. Lord, we come knowing that it is your word that gives life and sustains us. Lord, and we come with expectation that as your word is opened, you will meet with us through it, you will minister to us, you will love us, you will educate us, you will give us knowledge and wisdom. So Lord, as your humble but adoring you in glory, we ask that you meet with us now in your son's name. Amen. Amen. I've, I'm, I'm assuming we've probably all heard the phrase, all roads lead to Rome. Yeah? Maybe not, I'll explain. All roads lead to Rome. It's a saying that denotes that all paths lead to one destination. That there's many paths, but there's one destination. And no matter which path you choose, you will end in this one destination. And this comes from a time when Rome was the epicentre of the world. And Rome, in that great Roman Empire, had invented straight roads, as we know them today. They built these straight roads that headed out of Rome. Rome was the centre of the known world and built these straight roads that went to the ends of their empire. And the idea behind this was so they could move troops quickly, that commerce could flow in and out of Rome, and that the city would be built upon the wealth of all the empire and it could easily get back. These roads would have been guarded by Roman soldiers, so it was the safest place way to travel, it was the quickest way to travel. And if you lived in the Roman Empire, everywhere led back to Rome, because Rome was the centre. But if you lived in Rome, everything flowed out of Rome. Everything proceeded from Rome. Rome was the heart that pumped the blood around the empire. And the roads were the veins. If you were lucky, you would get a chance to visit Rome. You'd see its splendour. If you travelled down one of these roads long enough, you'd eventually hit Rome. But there were many who travelled on these paths that never got to Rome. They never made it to the destination. And I think that's a real tragedy. That some people would have set out to get to Rome on one of these paths and never arrive at the destination. Some people say it doesn't matter where you end up, it's how you get there. I disagree. I disagree, I think it's more important where you get to, not how you get there and many people on these paths would have never got there, I think that's really sad 
Always to be walking, but never reaching. To be on a journey and never arriving. I think that's quite a sorrowing thought. And it feels quite sober and sad that somebody could travel all their life on a road thinking they would arrive and never did. And that's a problem. This too is the same for the Christian life. And this is a problem. We have an epicenter. We have a destination. We have something that's at the core of Christianity from which everything proceeds. And out of everything flows. Some people will be on the journey and never reach that centre. For the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter, there too was an epicenter, a destination. There was a centre of his faith. And that destination is union with Christ. That destination is to be joined with Jesus Christ. To be joined with Jesus was the heart of Paul's faith from which everything flowed. Paul's destination was to be spiritually bonded with Jesus This was Paul's Rome, and it should be our Rome. It should be our destination, because this is true for us today. Union with Jesus Christ is the centre of Christian's life from which everything flows. And how sad would it be if somebody never made that destination? The background of this letter, as we've heard from Pastor Phil, who's preached two sermons on this already, is that this letter is wrote to a general area which had many churches and it was meant to be passed around them churches and read out in them churches for instruction. Paul wrote this letter whilst in prison in Rome, awaiting trial, certain death for being a Christian. He is in the centre of the Christian faith, in the centre of the belly of the beast. He knows what it is to be at the centre. Pastor Phil's first sermon was on verses 1 to 3, and he preached how Christians have been blessed with every blessing for spiritual life on earth and in the heavenlies. If you haven't heard it, you need to hear a great sermon. And then he preached on verses 3 to 6 and spoke how Christians were, were, are and will be chosen by God to be saved and adopted into the family of God. And now I'm going to finish this great long sentence. Verses 7 to 14. The sentence is 1 to 14. Pastor Phil's done the first part. I'm doing the second part. Pastor Phil spoke of how this letter seemingly is split into two. We have chapters 1 to 3, the doctrinal, and 4 to 6, the practical. Or we could say the first half is why we do what we do, 
And the second is how we do what we do. But I also want to add that this letter is about union. This letter is about unity with Christ. The first part is about union with Christ. And the second part is about union with people. This letter is about a unity and a harmony. Living together in harmony with God and each other. The letter says once we are in union with Christ, these are the implications. You can live in union and unity with fellow man. It's like our relationships with one another flow out of our relationship with God. If the relationship vertically with God is good, then our relationship horizontally should be good. This is what Paul's letter is saying. Everything see, flows out of the union with Jesus. This is where Paul starts. This letter is using the phrase, in him or in Christ, 28 times. Six of which are in my seven verses. And only two are in the second part of the letter. And only uses the term, this letter only uses the term being separated from God once. And this is in chapter 2 verse 12 where Paul speaks of a time when we were separated from Jesus and we were aliens and strangers without hope. This letter is a real letter of union and unity. It's been, it always has been about the union. A union with God or a union that God has has been from the beginning. It's been from the foundations of the world. If we look at verse 4, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before him. You see, we were chosen in union. In the holy union of the Trinity. We were chosen before the beginning of time. The union between the Father and the Son chose us before the world began. See, we're not chosen out of a random selection. We are chosen out of love. First verse says, out of love, this union before the beginning of time chose me and you. For love, in holiness and blameless. We are chosen to be something, to do something. And we are chosen in union, out of love, to be somebody. Holy and blameless. The very fact that we are chosen in love, in a union, tells you something. At what is at the centre of a Christian life. So easily we can reduce a Christian life to a factual, contractual, doctrinal. But the art of it is a loving union that chose us in relationship. And that is beautiful. So what of my six union statements? 
What does Paul say when it comes? What does Paul say comes out of union with Christ? What does he say flows out of being in union with Jesus? Verse 7 and 8. In him we have redemption. Start again. In him we have redemption through blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom, insight. He has made... I'm going to leave it there. In him... We have redemption and forgiveness. Redemptions and forgiveness are found in Jesus. These great truths come from this union. Only by being forgiven for all we have done wrong and we are redeemed from our destination of of hell can we have union with Christ. But, only by being in union with Christ can you have redemption and forgiveness of sins. You will not find forgiveness of sins and redemption in any other person than that of Christ Jesus, who died, rose to life, ascended to heaven to ensure this. If you are sat this morning with a total assurance of forgiveness and sins, that is because you are in union with Christ. Only by being in union with Christ are you snatched out of the devil's hands and rescued from your eternal destination of hell. You see how union of Christ is at the centre. Everything flows out of that union. All the many roads... Forgiveness of sins, redemption. And they all lead to where? Verse 8 and 9. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ. What was God's mystery? What is this mystery he set forth in Jesus. Well that. It was his pleasure. He set a mystery in Jesus. That was his pleasure. And in chapter 3. Verses 7 to 20. He tells us of this. I'm not going to go that much into it. Because we're going to come to that. But this is the mystery. This is what God's pleasure is. To bring all kinds of people to him. That is the great mystery. To reconcile not only the Jew, but the Gentile to himself. Up until this time of Jesus, nobody knew, nobody could work out how God was going to save the Jew and the Gentile, his people. We read in the Old Testament that God was going to send a saviour. But how he was going to save the world and who he was going to save was a great mystery. The Jews thought only them would have been saved. 
But Paul tells us the great mystery was that the Gentile, the non-Jew, unless you are a Jew, that means us. Everybody in here was going to be adopted into the family. The non-Jew was also going to be saved. Everybody would become one in Christ. No more division, no more Jew, no more Gentile. Just those in Christ. This means, this is so, this is why I read it out of the King James. Because the King James and the Orphanites only use this term of pleasure. This means that it's God's pleasure that he saved you. It is God's pleasure that you're saved. You're saved. You're saved. You're saved. I'm saved. And you know how he's going to do this? Do you know what his pleasure is? Union with Christ. Like you are only going to be saved. All things are going to be reconciled to him in union with Christ. This means that we are saved and they are one in union when saved. Salvation is the road, but the destination is Christ. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, to gather up all things in him. It's not only God's plan to reconcile his people to himself, but all things in heaven and earth. We read it's God's, we read that creation groans because of the sin of the world. And one day we'll be reconciled back to God and restored all of God's creation and for God's glory will be restored to him in Jesus. All things will be gathered up for him. God has a plan in Jesus for all creation. Verse 11 and 12. In Christ, we also have obtained an inheritance, being, having been destined according to the purpose of him who has accomplished all things according to his will and counsel, so that we are the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for his praise and glory. Being with Jesus or being in union with him, obtains us our inheritance. And this verse marries the verse 5, which Pastor preached on, that tells us that now we are in Christ, we are adopted into the family according to his pleasure. We are his children and entitled to our inheritance. This is his plan and pleasure. Do you see how relational this is? It's just not God's plan. It's not devoid of any emotion. But rather it is his pleasure to bring you into his family. And through a union with Jesus, you will receive your inheritance. We are not chosen randomly off a list. 
We are not boxed into a plan. But we are chosen in love and through his pleasure. It's relational. You do not have a relationship with another person that is void of any emotion. Like union with Jesus is deeply emotional. And we will live for his glory and his praise. If you don't know what this inheritance that you have once you're in Christ, I'm going to give you the first, salvation. If you want the rest, you've got to listen to pastor's sermon. That's the deal. And that sermon you can find on our website and I've listened to them both again and again because these are real truths we get something these are inheritance from being in union just like you get something from being in a relationship or union with anybody else verses 13 and 14 in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is a pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of glory. How do we know we are Christians? How do we know that we are in union with Jesus? How do we know that we are joined with him? How do we know that our eternal life awaits with God? Well, we have a mark, we have a seal, that is the Holy Spirit. And if we go back to the time of Paul, when a Roman emperor was sending a letter, or somebody important was sending a letter, to prove that letter was actually from them, they had a seal put in wax, stamped on it, I'm sure we've all seen it on films, and that seal was to be unbroken. But that seal said, this is just as good as if the emperor was there. This is legitimately from the emperor. And Paul says, you are marked. Like you've got the stamp of Jesus on you. And that stamp is the Holy Spirit. Having the Holy Spirit is the seal and the mark that proves, that gives assurance that we are in union with God. That we are deeply, emotionally joined with God. This is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus promised us in the Gospel of John 14, chapter 14, 15 to 17. It's better for you that I go so I can send the one. We're going to come back to that. This gift, this is a gift, the assurance, the seal, the comforter, the paraclete, the helper, the one who will dwell in you, fill you, is a gift from God to let you know that you are in union with him. 
In fact, this means that we are now in union with Jesus. We are not joined to a man or God incarnate. He is no longer here, but we are joined to him by the union of the Spirit. That's why Jesus said it's better that I go, that you can get the Spirit. That way, we all can be joined with him. We are not joined to an incarnate man. We are joined by the Spirit. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 9 to 11. But you are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, since the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. You see how we join to him? By the Spirit. But if Christ is in you, the body of the dead, the body is dead because of sin. The Spirit is the life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ from the dead will give you life to your mortal body also is spirit that dwells in you. Galatians 2.20 says and it is I that no longer live but Christ who lives within me and that the life I live now in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not I that live but Christ who lives within me. We're going to go I'm going to turn quickly to 1 Corinthians 3.16 Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? And lastly, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 1.14. No, I'm not. Oh, I've gone to the wrong letter, that's why. I'll teach you, won't it? It is 2 Timothy 1.14. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Do you now see how the union with God is the the centre of everything and out of that union comes everything and it is by the Spirit that we are in union with Christ Jesus. The union with the Spirit is at the core of all Christian life and makes us a Christian. Paul said, knowing nothing but Christ through the Spirit, being joined with the Spirit is the Apostle Paul's. That's all he wanted to know. That's how he lived. And that's showing us that all roads lead to Jesus. All roads come out of Jesus. What does it mean to be in Christ? 
we've read that six times in him in him the English words don't do it justice it feels quite wooden it feels quite one way another term that we could use is with Christ you see being with Christ is a close relationship being with him is a two way organic relationship with him is a union with Christ what did Jesus say I am with you until the end I will send you my spirit who will be with you being with Jesus is the greatest 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 destination you could ever arrive at it's relational it means to be with him the Bible says once we was in a relationship with sin. You see how sin gets personified as a person because we're in a relationship with him. It is relational. But being in him, being with him, being in the spirit, being with the spirit means that we are no longer in relationship to sin or with sin, but we are in relationship with Christ. What does the Bible say? It says you've got two stances. No neutral ground. No third option. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ. You have a relationship with sin or a relationship with Christ. And both of them, you are joined in union with one or the other. Yesterday, me and Anwin went to go watch Shakespeare at Bradford Cathedral. And it was outside and it was fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. We went to go see Much Ado About Nothing. It's a comedy, it's about love, it's about relationships. And the young hero in that play, or the young Prince Charming, this is what he said about a union between two people it's like somebody knit their souls together how beautiful is that it is like somebody knit their souls together do you see what it means to be in union with Jesus through the Holy Spirit your spirit is knitted together with the Holy Spirit. This talks of intimacy. This talks of emotionally. This talks of no separation. This talks of love. And it is true what you do learn in Sunday school. The answer is always Jesus. Everything starts with Jesus. Salvation, these great roads, justification, sanctification, love, grace, mercy, joy, 
unity amongst us unity in marriage unity in family everything flows out of your soul and spirit being knitted together with the spirit of Jesus Christ you cannot have these things unless you are knitted with Jesus Christ let me tell you what else are the roads let me tell you what other roads they are in Christianity there's reading your Bible there's coming to church there's helping at a ministry there's doing good deeds there's singing worship songs but if you are not in union with Christ if you are not having a deep emotional bond with God having all things in common then you are just on the road but you are not at the destination you are not where you're supposed to be you are not Christians if the centre of your life is not a union with Christ Jesus in his death and resurrection if not the centre of your life is a union with God at your innermost being then you are just walking the road and haven't got to your destination how sad is it that somebody might not get to their destination it's heartbreaking heartbreaking for Jesus says when he wept oh I weep because I wanted to gather your children to bring them to him to be in relationship to be knitted together with him if you are going through the motions if you do not know Christ if you are just walking one of these long lonely roads you are not where you are supposed to be you are supposed to be with him you are supposed to be in him. You're supposed to be knitted together with him. But it doesn't have to remain like that. You can arrive at your destination today. Your destination is waiting for you to arrive this moment. the centre of the Christian world is waiting with his arms wide open to welcome all who come to him today's the day that you can walk down the road of salvation of justification of redemption of repenting from your old life and arriving in your new life in Jesus Christ We are not going to be Christians who never arrive. We are not going to be people who never arrive. Brothers and sisters, we are on a journey. And by the very last breath of Jesus Christ, and the last bit of strength we have, let's make our destination. I'm going to invite the band up for worship and then I'm going to pray. If anybody 
wants to arrive at that destination today, come see us, the pastors, myself. If somebody's in here and known they've been walking on a long, lonely road, but I've never arrived at the promised land, today's the day you arrive at your promised land. I'm going to pray afterwards when James has finished with worship and we will be around. Do not let this time go. If you do not know Jesus intimately, if you are not woven, knitted, intimately, emotionally, lovingly, today's the day that we do it. I'm going to pray before James starts. Heavenly Father, I ask, Lord, that you will draw us so close and I ask that it's knitted so tightly, Lord, that we know every breath, every heartbeat comes from you. Lord, draw us all in. Lord, please, Sow this union deep in somebody's heart, Lord. So they come to you this morning, so they know you as a personal saviour. So they know a relationship with a living, breathing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-marvellous God. Lord, we are so helpless but we are so faithful in a God who can do all, who holds all the universe in his hands. And to know you, God, is the greatest thing that we could ever, ever, ever achieve. To know you, Lord, is our daily bread. To know you, Lord, is our purpose, is our final destination. Lord, grant us all And we ask for this in your son's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we, we come to you now to give you all glory glory and honour. Lord, we pray that you will bless us now, that you will draw close to us, Lord, as we go from here, that we will go singing in psalms and hymns and praise of your glorious wonder and the works that you have done. Lord, we ask you to keep us safe and protect us from the enemy. Lord, we ask that you become the centre of our life again. Be our very heartbeat, be our conversation, our focus, our mind. Lord, we ask that you bless the rest of us, Lord's day. And we ask for this in your son's name. Amen.